0: Submission Coalition Podcast, number 70, with We Defy Foundation Vice President TJ Kreitzer.
1: One of our favorites. This was an awesome one.
2: <laughs>
3: oh that is, ow, Jesus. That it, that's better. It's good enough. Okay.
1: We're mainly interested in the audio, anyways. Okay. <laughs>
3: Are we gonna do, do we do a YouTube y type thing of it or is it just pretty uh, much eventually
1: vocal? right now okay. we're doing just strictly like um we go through anchor and it goes to Spotify and a whole bunch of other uh, audio podcasts. Eventually okay. we'd like to release them on YouTube, but we haven't sure. got that far yet. So we
3: Yeah, we- no, and that's a whole other level of production <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah exactly so we're recording yeah. we're recording the video for possible use later we okay. just haven't got there okay, yet
3: just check <laughs>
0: we are recording yes so. we are okay.
1: we are recording you only make
0: that mistake a few times <laughs> <laughs>
1: we went through an entire interview and realized that we hadn't hit the record button
3: oh man
2: yeah I,
1: this I, was a- You know
3: that there, there's so many people that are able to um to learn how to do this medium you know mm-hmm. but I've seen so many people just go through, they have to learn it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and oh, I, yeah. I don't, I certainly don't have the time to try to figure out how to produce like that. It's, a, it's yeah. It's a well, and that's a like, like
0: for us, the, the audio has always been is we're, we're traveling actually quite a bit. We're always in the okay. car here and there. So most of the stuff that we ever get a chance to listen to, regardless of whether they have video content or not, it's almost always audio. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we just kind of figure at that point, because the the video stuff definitely seems to be the the part that takes us a little bit.
1: Yeah, we teased that we're black belts in jujitsu, but we're a uh, two stripe white belt in podcasting.
0: Yeah, we were a three stripe.
3: We lost. Get downgraded.
1: When we lost that one whole interview.
3: Yeah. Oh man. <laughs>
1: that was a good one too. It was Hannette Stack like multiple oh, world no. champion? Oh, I was so bummed.
3: <laughs> oh, that's awful. Yeah. That's. <laughs> super disappointing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um, why don't we start off with you introducing yourself and introducing the organization.
3: Okay my name is TJ Kreitzer. Uh, I'm the vice president and director of operations of We Defy Foundation. Um, just a little bit about uh, the organization now I'll go to me and then come back uh, more in depth with the organization but we sponsor disabled vets to train jiu-jitsu for a year as a way to build a tool set to cope with their service connected disabilities. Um, I'm a veteran, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, Uh, spent my whole life there until the day after I turned 18. Then I went to the Air Force Academy, and uh, went from there to pilot training, flu fighters, um, F-16s, and then was an instructor pilot in the T-38 for a long time, joined the reserves, and continued to do that job. Um, Got involved with the the Air Force Academy as a liaison officer. So helping high school kids prep and then apply and maybe be approved to go there, um, and eventually in 2019 retired from uh, from the Air Force. So, halfway through that Air Force career, there was a transition from active duty to the reserves. And when I started the reserves in 2010, I started to have a little more free time on my hands. So uh, we moved to where we live now in Minnesota, and um, you know you could pick up the O in the Minnesota, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's i've been here 10 years so it's it's happened um the accents come uh so i got involved in uh some mma conditioning at a local lifetime fitness just you know pad drills and uh footwork and stand up stuff no sparring um but i got more and more interested in that side of it and um decided not to go with the striking sparring due to my career and the concussion risk and and things like that um so instead the coaches talked me into trying jujitsu, which at the time I was not really interested in, cause I thought it looked horrible,
2: <laughs>
3: but, um, they're like, dude, you're going to love it. Like I, we know you and we know how competitive you are and like, it's, you're going to just dive right in. So when I finally did, I was like, yeah, you're right. This is absolutely fantastic. And right away I was hooked after they uh, finally got me to do it. Um, so I, I started training and then I got more involved in in the, the gym I was at and we started traveling for work, but I would throw a gi in my bag so I could get mad time on the road. And I was in Chicago and met a veteran who was uh, just back from Iraq. He'd back, been back a couple months and was struggling with um, some medical issues and family challenges and financial challenges. And we talked for like an hour and a half. And I have a background in psychology. From the air force academy so i got my degree in and i've always been interested in trauma therapy and i've kind of stayed uh layman level current on issues and counseling and things like that so when we talked afterwards we talked for like an hour and he said you know i really think you may have something to offer people uh, because that was a really helpful discussion and some of the things you framed for me are things no one has really ever said even some of the therapists i i've tried to use um, a little sidebar to that is, uh, you know, there's therapy, the VA offers awesome medical care and a lot of facilities. Um, veterans a lot of times have a difficult time with the, uh, the okay. therapy part of it, the psychology therapy part of it, or the cognitive therapy. And um, just anecdotally speaking, because I know a lot of people in the field, if you're a veteran, they find it much easier to talk to you. So I've had, uh, I have several psychologist veteran friends that have said, yeah, once they find out that they're a veteran, their whole demeanor changes. There's this immediate trust, this immediate bond where they can now start, this person's gonna understand me and understand what my struggles are. So that may have been a component of what was actually happening when we were talking. But he did kind of inspire me to find something to do um, on a volunteer basis. And about six months or maybe nine months later, there was a seminar done up here in Minnesota uh, by a group called Twin Cities Invitational. I believe it was their first event. And they brought in the board for Weedify as a, to be a beneficiary of this event. And um, Tom de Blas was here to teach and Chris Howder was here to teach. And then there were a bunch of super fights afterwards. And that's where I found out about Mission 22 and Weedify. And I, I took a look at both organizations because I thought, okay, these are things that I think I, want, I would like to be involved in. And I gravitated towards Weedify because it was just jujitsu. Um, right. Mission 22 does a lot of different things. And I really thought, okay, this is, this is completely, it's all about ju- the jujitsu part. So I, I think I want to focus on that. And WeDefy was a lot smaller at the time and they didn't even have an ambassador team. yet. I think there were probably seven people at the time that were running the whole thing out of a gym in McKinney, Texas, uh, at the time it was called tier one training facility. And since I am an airline pilot, I can travel anywhere for free. So I, a couple of weeks later said to my wife and son, Hey, we're going to go to Dallas for a vacation to visit my best friend from high school who had moved there, but Another big reason I was gonna go cause I was gonna walk into the gym and say, I wanna volunteer for you guys and you can't, I'm not leaving until you say, here's how you can help us. <laughs> right, nice. <laughs> and I, I didn't know that they didn't have a uh, ambassador team yet or a volunteer team, but they were just starting to, to stand one up. So I talked to uh, Keely, who is the, uh, she's the office manager there, but she's also our athlete coordinator. And she said, well, there's a, a person on the board named Gina Franson. Who is okay, standing we know up? Gina. Do you know Gina? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. she's she's standing up the ambassador team. I'm like, Gina Franson from Minnesota. Gina Franson, right? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, like, oh, that's she's. I know. I don't. I hadn't met her yet. But like, oh, I know exactly who that is. <laughs> so I had. I didn't realize that she was on the board at the time. And then uh, that's kind of how I got involved with um, the organization. I was the first Midwest regional ambassador. Uh, with the first 17 of us that were pulled on and then um, have because of my employment, I have a lot of free time. So I was able to um, flexibly use my free time to get more involved in the organization until I just kept being able to take on new roles until I got to be the vice president. Um, The organization looks to partner with um, gyms that we think are going to be a good fit for a veteran that we can then place there and pay uh, for their scholarship for a year. The idea is to give, like I said, the veteran a tool set in terms of, you know, physical fitness, community, some structure, and um, I, I think human touch, too, is a, it's a unique part of jujitsu that is really important, and I kind of frame this that when you, when you combine all these things and you get a person doing it consistently, it allows for another factor, which is achievement, and that achievement, I think, is the key point to helping or using jujitsu as a tool to recovery, or to uh, improve mental health. So the foundation is, is really based on that. It's, it's a simple concept. And the model is, um, we're busy, because we have a lot of uh, organizations, like gyms that we're partnered with, we have a lot of people we're sponsoring. But we don't do a lot of different kinds of things. We're trying to do one thing, and we're trying to do it really, really well. And that's right. put veterans in gyms and then support them.
0: Right.
3: So that's kind of that's my long story background to, to me and uh, what the program's currently doing.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I wholeheartedly agree when you were talking earlier about um, sometimes people feeling hesitant to, to open up in discussion, like you were saying, they feel a, a kinship and a brotherhood when they're talking with another veteran. Um, you hear the same thing in law enforcement um, where, you know, about um, that when, once they get to a certain point, once they've been working in the job, they, they start to almost feel like they can only speak candidly to other law enforcement officers. Cause they just don't think other people can relate to, uh, to what they're experiencing. Um, and that's, that's one of those things that I've always found with, I, I've been a lifelong martial artist. Um, I started in 78, uh, doing Taekwondo and then tra- transition into the traditional Okinawan karate and jujitsu was different. It, it was very different. Um, you know, I trained with people for years that I didn't feel I was bonded to as much as six months into jujitsu, you know, because like you said, that physical interaction, you know, so it, it I, I always found for myself, I, I, I <clears throat> at first I struggled with it, but I, I mean, now I, I'm, I'm a little bit more open about uh, historically having bouts of depression and anxiety and things of that nature. And I found about 20 plus years ago, what and how jiu-jitsu helped me in those regards. It was way different than going to the gym and banging weights or, you know, doing a heavy workout, you know, or or you know, sparring or things of that nature, that jujitsu there was something different. It's it's like jujitsu hits on so many different levels. Um, that the way I've always described it was in, in those moments, um, while I'm training, the the inner voices just disappear, the doubt, the the whatever. Um, because it, it's a it's a singular task. And then after you're done, it's it's, oh, it's it's different. Being around that group, you feel more bonded to to this new group that you just struggled with, you know, where you where you just had something. it was different than having them punch you in your face. I mean try I I've had a lot of people punch <laughs> me in the face. I don't feel very bonded <laughs> to them. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you know, I, I hit around a lot of really awesome concepts in there that I, I like to talk about um, when I do present to groups or when I sometimes I write, you know, for whatever the medium is. Um, I think one thing that you see in law enforcement a lot, I, I think we um, see it in the military, especially, and this is these are my words. These are my thoughts. This isn't stuff that's been that I know of that's been researched. It's just the way that I've kind of framed my observations. I think people come back from uh, especially careers where there is a, a trauma component potentially to it with a trust deficit. And I think about it in the military where, um, especially for folks who had to deploy to Afghanistan and Iraq in a counterinsurgency, you know, urban warfare scenario where, you know, there could be a kid advancing with a weapon of some kind and you tell them to stop and they don't stop. Well, the only way to make that stop is to do something that's potentially catastrophic, you know. Um, you know, I use that example because I think it's kind of visceral when we talk about a kid, but it doesn't have to be a kid. It can be, a, a, anybody on the street, you know, that's in this scenario that you're dealing with. Um, and I think in those environments, and, and you can extrapolate not too far away from that, from some scenarios in law enforcement too, where the people that you trust are your coworkers or your peers or the people you're deployed with or the people in your unit, you know, they're the people in your squadron. And like you said, you, You learn to rely on those people at the expense of other relationships, or you start to have a discomfort or distrust with other people. And I think jujitsu by nature of the fact that you're sparring every practice, it helps to rebuild that trust deficit you have in other people. And you start to realize that everybody has a story. Everybody's dealing with something. When you struggle with them, you use that word struggling with them you know, on the mats. Um, when you struggle with them, the things that are, make you different go away. And the things that make you the same or similar, the things that you can co-relate to become much more important. That's how that bond between teammates gets built. Um, and I think that that's unique about jujitsu. CrossFit's a great activity you can go mountain biking. In fact, I was just talking to someone a few days ago who said that they got into biking first as part of their own therapy after military service. And then they thought, man, this is it. This is the thing. And then they started jujitsu and like, no, that's the thing right, right. because there's that added component. And I think it's that, I think a lot of it's touch. And then it's the other piece of that would be that mat struggle, that sparring. Yeah. Uh, I had one veteran, at least one, I think two now have said this, that when I tap the person stops. Yeah. I think about that scenario that I, I gave you with a kid or with someone else in, in an urban combat scenario where you can't stop the attack without destroying their ability to do so. That's the only way to stop the advance. In jiu-jitsu, when you've had enough, you tap and the other person respects that. Right. And that, that builds trust. And we You know, we also sponsor not just combat veterans, but we have a carve out for victims of military sexual trauma. And I think about how that that's those scenarios pair with utilizing jujitsu as a trust building uh, activity. And and I um, think
1: I think it gives a little bit of control back to that person as well. You know, when when they when they felt that lack of control and now they have this. Avenue where they are in control. Even if they're getting their ass kicked, they have the ability at any point to stop it.
3: So that's what some of the veterans <laughs> have said that I I feel like I'm in control. I have a st- there is a sense of control in it. And even with jujitsu itself, you have a class, you have a class structure, you have belts, you have structure that makes sense. You know if your whole life is falling apart, you still know every Tuesday at 5 30. Right. You have jiu-jitsu. And all those little things add up to a, a renewed sense of control. And when you start to have that in a certain area of your life, I think there are, um, benefits that start to, you know, you pull in other parts of your life where you start to regain that ability to have some, some sense of control and jujitsu can be for some people, I think that anchor, um, the other thing that I think is really interesting that you said, uh, you talked about inner voices, um, and, uh, as a, uh, person who really likes psychology and, um, has done some looking at anxiety and depression. Familiar with the term um, rumination? No. No. Rumination is kind of a, uh, it's like a more of a clinical type term for a mental process that we go through when you, when your brain always comes back to the same problem over and over. You know, you wake up and you go to bed at night, stressed out, you wake up, the first couple of minutes you feel fine until your brain finds its way to that one thing. Right. That's called ruminating. And ruminating is actually a problem-solving thought loop that you go through. And most of the time, we are able to find some sort of solution to a problem or get far enough that we're satisfied with it. But when we're dealing with anxiety and depression, um, one of the things that's happening cognitively is we are unable to solve a particular set of problems. And we keep coming back to it. Well, the body is built to uh, avoid or defeat threats with the fight or flight system, the fight, flight, or freeze system. So this rumination loop and these, these voices, these thoughts, these words in your head, they uh, they create a biofeedback issue where now you've got cortisol and other bad hormones running around your body because you're in this anxiety filled state. Well, the ways we deal with that are through fitness one way, you know, working out helps to reset the physiological component of what's going on. It's utilizing those, uh, endorphin or endorphins, not word, but you know, those, those chemicals in your body that are put there so that you can beat up the saber tooth tiger. If it's attacking your baby, you know, well, these inner voices and thoughts, there's no saber tooth tiger. It's just the voices. We're not equipped to deal with that. So physical fitness can assist. Um, but the way I think about what's happening in jujitsu is, There's a hierarchy of concepts that we have to deal with. Um, What's the what's the first most basic need and thing that everybody has? A need to do what? To be safe. Survive. It's survive. Yeah. That's live. It's survive. And everything we're hardwired for that to be the number one thing that we're trying to do all the time. When you're doing jujitsu. I, I haven't looked i don't know if this has scientifically been studied but i think something that's going on there is you're so focused on not trying to get killed that all those voices fall to the side and the only thing you're thinking about your brain is hardwired to make this activity that you're engaged in the number one priority right now and we're not it's it, we're safe right we're not going to actually intentionally harm someone but I still think what's happening is the body and the mind are prioritizing this thing that's occurring right now, because it's a perceived threat. That stops these inner voices. It breaks up that rumination loop. While it's, once it's done that, or while it's doing that, you've got all the positive endorphins and the positive chemicals that are coming out through the body from fitness, from bonding, from touch. And it breaks up that loop. When you get in the practice of breaking up that loop over and over and over, it becomes a therapeutic activity. Because it's stopping the bad stuff from happening and allowing you to create good things, and right. I think that can help get people over that hump. Or it's one; it's part of a, a complementary activity to therapy, the other types of therapy that, when used together, can help you get over those, those uh, challenges. Right. Um, that, so that's I, something I think that's an awesome awesome thing that jujitsu Jitsu does.
0: Yeah, and that's something like I said that I found. Uh, at least within the martial arts itself that I found personally was unique for Jiu Jitsu because we've, I've done Taekwondo, uh, Okinawan Goju karate. I've done Aikido. I've dabbled in, in just about everything under the sun. Um, but once I started Jiu Jitsu, that's where I found it to be just very different. Um, because you know, the others were good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I love I love working out. I love I love lifting weights, things of that nature. But the one part I loved in in jujitsu um, was the way I've always described it, is I mean, it's it's uh, for lack of a better term, it was like reaching a zen point where it, in that moment the only thing that truly mattered, like you were saying, with survival was me and whatever struggle I was dealing with in that physical moment you know, keeping them from passing my guard, preventing them from choking me, whatever it was. But I always found it to be a much more visceral, full body, mind, you know, everything engaged. Whereas I found in the striking arts, you know, when, when I got into hard uh, uh, sparring rounds and the like, um, I didn't feel the mental engagement as much. I mean, I know it's there. But I always found the problem solving aspect of jujitsu to be a lot more, uh, a lot more connective within there. Cause you could literally look at something and afterwards analyze it on the way home, which I did a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, had a, I had an hour drive home after training with no radio in the car. So, you know, yeah. I, was, I was left in my thoughts. But that connection stayed though, that my benefits were not just in the time I was on the mat, it was for hours afterwards um, when I was able to think about you know, what matches I had, how I could address them differently. And that, that was the other fun part that I also enjoyed. I thought was very different with, uh, with Jiu Jitsu is that part of that bonding aspect is in a lot of instances and it's something we really push here is after you struggle with somebody, of having partners give feedback to each other about things that, you know, hey, this was a really good portion through here, but if you would dig your right hand to an underhook, you could have stopped me from, you know, and they give each other that feedback, not just smashing into each other and then moving on to the next partner, but giving, giving each other part of that problem solving, you know, aspect of it to help push each other forward, you know, even at cost of self. I'm saying that by me helping you, you, you may get me next time. I may not, yeah. <laughs> I, may, I may not be on the winning side. You
3: know? Yeah. I think um, one, one cool thing about jujitsu, and this is hard when you're a white belt. And I think even as a blue belt, it can be pretty difficult, but you know, as you get purple, brown, black, you get more uh, <clears throat> more of an ability to change your speed and your intent with training. So you're not just going at it for like, bonkers you can you can ask your partner like what do you want out of this role today like are we comp training do you want to flow do you want to go about 50 ish percent because there's a specific is is there a drill you want to do do you want to be really technical or do you want to just hammer it you know and I think that's a um, and you sometimes you have that conversation with words and sometimes you have it with feel yeah and you can tell like you can come in hot and feel how the person who, an experienced person responds and you know, okay, that's not what they want this role to be. So I'm gonna accommodate. Even if you wanted something or expecting something a little different, there is so much, there is that partnership that you're building with this person that where you're, you're looking out for their needs, for their, for their training desires as well as, as your own. And that, that's a really cool thing. I think that as you get more experience in Jiu Jitsu, you gain that ability uh, it's kind of that self-awareness and then that partner awareness too. Uh, to know, hey, are they appreciating what you're bringing or is what you're bringing not what they want? And then adjusting yourself to act appropriately. Right. I think that's a really unique thing. And I think it's because there's so much contact. I mean, it's five minutes or six minutes of like, you know, smash or, you know, physical contact where you're, I close my eyes all the time when I roll now. Oh, yeah. sometimes yeah. it even causes a problem for me because I won't see something over here You know, because I and I don't do it on purpose, but especially it's especially true when I'm just flowing, or if I brought the speed a little bit, I notice that my eyes close because it's I'm it's I'm feeling it, yeah, which um, is really interesting because it's not intentional; it just happens. Yeah, (laughs) you rely so much on these other senses.
0: Well, we we actually do uh, drills periodically where uh, we'll make sure everybody's spread out Um, if we have enough room. I'll get both people to deliberately close their eyes while other people are their eyes for them to make sure that if they get close to another group or a wall or something of that nature. Um, or I'll deliberately have one person close their eyes so that the other person, so I'll tell them, you know, if your eyes are open, you're going about 50%, but you're you're the safety. You're the one that to direct this this match as it goes so that the other person can, can feel safe in their movement and everything else, knowing that you're, you're going to be giving them pressure, but with their eyes closed, you're not just gonna to try to kill them. Um, but the person with their eyes closed can feel <clears throat> a little bit more free to move. Um, and then we'll switch roles you know, periodically. Cause yeah, that, that tactile feeling uh, with the eyes closed, it's, there's a lot of communication that, that's taking place you know, without needing to hear or see you know, there's, you know, you can, you can feel intent within people based on body tensions, uh, things of that nature. You can, you can actually discern a lot of information, you know, with that. And we tell people that eventually you start to see people, even when their eyes are open, watch them. They're not really looking they're, their Their yeah. eyes are open, <laughs> but, but you can tell they're, they're using other senses, in the role, they're relying on that feel way more yeah. than they're relying on, that, on their eyes.
3: Yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's a really interesting and cool thing uh, that occurs. Um, and I think that, that um, that's something that we're wired for, that is touch. When you think about when you, you, know, you touch your kid's hand, like I, I, my kid's eight, I'm gonna hold his hand until he makes me stop you know <laughs> i don't care how old he is you know what i mean i'm gonna if he lets me hold his hand till 40 i'm doing it. i don't care <laughs> yeah you know um and that's something we're denied and especially in western culture where stuff is weird and there's obviously times where that's not appropriate but there's also times when it's probably okay but we make it weird yeah or yeah. culture is decided it's weird and but we're really hardwired for it i think that's one of the things that comes out in jiu jitsu it's so powerful it's one of the reasons why those inner voices go away it's such a powerful thing that we're hardwired and built to accept um, and this is one of the few places where um we can get a a really uh high dosage of it in right. an appropriate manner
0: well and and it's one of those where you see i mean that hugging in jiu jitsu in a non grappling match aspect is very common yeah. way more
1: common i think than in mm-hmm. any other sport
0: mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> just and not just in the training environment if those same members see each other outside of the training environment um,
3: yeah. like
1: going to going to master worlds it's a massive hug fest
3: yeah everybody's yeah. hugging everybody <laughs> well, and the, the and the touches linger yeah, You know, it's different than like, you think a neighbor who's a friend and you, you know, you quick hug, a couple taps, like pat, pat, pat on the shoulder and then, you know, you break. These are different, you know, because of the comfort level you have with these people.
1: Yeah.
3: Right. You know, it's just, it's, it is absolutely different. And I think it's a really important thing for connecting with other people. Right.
0: And it's also interesting as you, you travel. So you've also seen what it's like. You said you, you pack your gi and you go to a new city. You don't know anyone. But you do a little research, you find a school, and for the most part, you know, walking into even a new gym, there's a sense of belonging, even in that environment. Every once in a while, it it gets a little weird, but 90% of the time when you travel and you're a guest walking in, it's usually at that point a really positive experience. Yeah. Even with a group of people you never know. Because the 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 art or the sport or or the you know, whatever is is creating that new brotherhood or sisterhood or new bond um, that just simply like I said even going to a new city um, that's one of the things I've always loved I love being able to travel go to a new place even training in places where we don't even speak the same language. Um, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. Awesome. The, the,
2: i have gotta do that Yeah, the art awesome. is
0: is our way of communicating he, yeah. he
1: we went to we used to go to mexico every year for vacation a long time ago and yeah. he uh he was a blue ball at the time doing jujitsu and he found a judo school and they spoke
0: okay. zero english zero english i spoke very little spanish and a tiny jiu- bit of japanese jujitsu from- and judo yeah. are i mean i came from from that brazilian jujitsu so we weren't we weren't speaking, you know, the Japanese mm-hmm. lingo for each. Now, granted, I was coming also from a uh, Okinawan karate background, so I have a little bit okay. of, of Japanese, but not much. So we were we were creating this language um, through a lot of motion, physicality. And the blending of all, I mean, <laughs> all of the different, all the different languages that we knew, yeah. you know, and and by the end, it was a real. I trained with them for about five days. Wow! And I mean, day one was awkward, mm-hmm. but through the art, you know, that was our bond. And by the time we were done, I mean, it it it, it was it was like we were speaking, you know to, to each other fairly decently, even though, I mean, to somebody else, they probably couldn't understand anything that was going on, (laughs) Uh,
2: but had had an amazing
0: experience with them that, I mean, I still talk about this is probably 20 years now since, uh, since that's taken place. And it's still one of my absolute favorite memories.
3: Yeah. That Uh, sounds awesome. Yeah. I haven't gotten to do that. (laughs) Not a foreign country yet where it, yeah.
0: It it, it was different because the, uh, the, 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 the first time I, I was thrown on the very, very first class, um, you know, uh, I got there early because I didn't, I didn't know. And so the first there's like two or three kids classes that went first and none of them left. And so by the time the adult class is going, it's a room full of kids and they were all dying laughing when I was thrown, you know, for the first time. They
1: all wanted to watch the American get
0: their ass kicked. <laughs> you know, so I, I just heard the giggles. But I mean, again, I, I went in with the, with the open mind and open intent, you know, and, and, and no ego that this is their house. And I went in just to have a great time learning an art that I didn't know. And yeah. when when my feet went over my head and I heard all the kids, I mean literally as soon <laughs> yeah, as I landed. Loving it. Uh, <laughs> you know, and the, the smile that came over my face. I mean, <laughs> you know, at, at that moment I was sitting there looking at him going, I, I get it. That was <laughs> that was fun.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, there, you know, it's funny, I go when I visit other places, I I think it's a good idea to, when you go in there, to remember you're not there to win worlds that day. Um, exactly. And it's, it is that feel it out, feel it out the partners, what do they want? And you're the guest. And you're not there to prove everybody how good the jujitsu in Minnesota is, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it should be about sharing and, and fellowship and having fun. And you're meeting people too. I mean, it's, it should be that introduction. And then you yeah. get to do this thing that you love. And they can be hard roles, but there's definitely um I think as a visitor, it's on you to be respectful of especially respectful of the people you're training with because you don't know each other's styles. You don't know right. you don't know what the rules are because you start talking about like more advanced stuff like leg locks and with the how prevalent they're becoming in different gyms and different affiliations, you, that stuff there's stuff I keep in my bag, not because I'm trying to hide it, it's because I wanna make sure that I'm behaving in a way that's acceptable right? in, in that room. That's on me to figure out, you know? Um, yeah. And that, that can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes because you don't always know exactly what the rule set's gonna be. Right. So the best way I think to go in there is to go in there and have fun and try to be a learner and not a champion. And if you can do that, you're gonna have an awesome time at almost every place you go visit. Yeah,
0: and, and get the invites to come back.
3: And yeah, um. get the yeah. to come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's key. <laughs> but it's fun, too, because now that we have um, we've got over 400 gyms now nice. throughout the country, so a lot of times I'll look first to see if there's a Weedify affiliated gym that I can go to, just because there's so many people now uh, that we interact with. It's so nice to be able to put a name with a face Yeah. instead of just an email, Yeah. because right. that's, that's the most efficient way is to correspond digitally with most folks. But um, with all the ambassadors and all the volunteers that we have, and we mentor to the athletes as well. So we, we have a little program where we put them in the gym, but then we have a volunteer that checks up on them. And then once in a while, I'll get an email like, hey, Mike has this this issue. What do we do about it? I'm like, well, I need to know Mike who, and I need to know where, where Jim they're at. Cause I've got 14 mics now. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's it's, that's an interesting challenge with, um, how, how much bandwidth do you have and how many contacts can you have and still build relationships with them? Right. You know, and then at what point do you need to start, uh, delegating to other people in the organization those relationships because they need to manage them and nurture them too. And they need them. You need to make sure that when you give that, when you delegate a relationship like that, the person who is going to do it is capable um, as well. So that's an interesting challenge that we've had as we've grown because we've, we've expanded so quickly in 2019, right before COVID, we were putting five veterans in a month and last month we put in 50. Nice. Nice. And we're going to, we usually do 20, that's our, our baseline funding right now. The 50 was was what we were able to do because of a VA grant that has a oh, certain nice. okay. time, time span and chunk of money that we're able to use. So we can kind of vary, you know, open the floodgates as we need to. But still to go from five in 2019 to get through COVID and then do have 20 a month that we're capable of doing now consistently is um is pretty awesome because when COVID started, we, just like everybody else, we were like, what are we gonna do?
2: Yeah.
1: Like, oh, oh yeah is
3: this is this organization going to exist in six months?
1: Yeah, we were puckering
3: yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody like, was. Oh, you know? I mean, we had gyms closing. Yeah, people, you know, athletes that were um, off the mats, for, and this was what this is where this what's one of the things that's really exciting about being part of a growing organization is you sometimes are given opportunities, uh, and when you recognize it, you can run with it and make something super awesome happen. I yeah. never even thought about it before. So when COVID started, we were, we decided as a board, we're going to try to pay the gyms that close continuously up until that year point when the scholarship oh, awesome. would have ended, you know, like, we got, we have funding. If we yeah. have the no funding, let's keep paying. And then we'll just ask them at the end of the year, funding wise, if the person missed six months, if they would tack that on so they can train it right. Right. Yeah. so that yeah. there's a year of funding, there's year of training. And however that meshes together is fine, Right. but I couldn't track it all myself. So that's when we started this team. I I called it the engagement team. And the whole function was need you five guys, five volunteers, to contact these athletes to make sure they're training. And if they're not, we need to need you to keep track of when they're on the maps, when they're not. So it's meant to be administrative function. We started seeing that immediately the volunteers and the athletes were bonding. And pretty quick are like, whoa, this is the holder the thing that's happening here. This we can use this. So now we have about forty mentors for over two hundred current scholarship athletes. And we just started using um, WhatsApp to for like one person if he has five mentors, he puts them all together in a WhatsApp chat. So now they all get to meet each other and they get to support each other, talk about injuries and technique and what's it like and the struggles and all those things. So right. we're the intent was at first to throw or to put a student in a gym and have that be their community.
2: Right.
1: But
3: now we build built another layer around it. Right. It happened by accident. Right.
1: Well, it, that, it was kind of interesting the way we got connected with We Defy with you guys was one of our um, members, he started out as just a dad of a student and now he just started training and uh, he started talking to the other vets in our gym and he's, he's, uh, a disabled vet and all of that and he had been you know like when we go to fights he does uh vet ticks or whatever and he okay. gets gathers yep. all the vets together and takes them to the fights and stuff and he came to us and he's like hey listen i found this organization we got a lot of vets in here this would be really good for everybody um he goes i want to be a um he wanted to be a um, an ambassador he's like i want you guys to try uh and we're like hey absolutely <laughs> you know, they, it, it fits our culture. It's, it's perfect. So yeah, so it was kind of interesting. He like rallied all the troops and that's great and, yeah. and everything.
3: Yeah, you know, it's we have um, we've grown so much. We have about 100 active ambassadors. Sometimes, you know, people come in, they volunteer for a certain amount of time and then life yeah. gets in the way. And so we, and the ambassadors definitely some stick around for quite a while. Some show up and help us for a little while, and then they they need to move on. That's that's fine almost the entire organization is volunteer. We have uh, three contractors right now that we pay for professional services. And then we have one advisory group that helps us with regulatory stuff because every state has its own regulations that you have to comply with. And there's no way we could do that without right, spending yeah. some money on someone <laughs> to help us with yeah. that. But everybody else, is the board's all volunteers. I, I, I spend, I think I logged, I'm logging my time now. It's usually between ten to fifteen hours a week, uh, running daily operations as a volunteer. I mean, that's 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 a lot of video game time. You know, that's a lot of zombies <laughs> that, a lot of zombies that didn't get killed that week. You know, <laughs> so, I'm, but I'm spending my time doing this and then training and then with my regular career, it all just fits together really, really awesome because I can travel when I need to, I can train on the road, and then I have this flexible time where I don't have an office job. You know. I can do all kinds of awesome stuff. So I'm really fortunate that I can do that. And every pilot, every airline pilot I know has some kind of hobby.
2: Yeah.
3: And well, I, I love that the one I got involved in is uh, it's based on the idea of trying to make somebody else's life just a little better. Yeah. And that, that means so much more to me than a couple of years ago when I was, you know, blowing stuff up on the TV all the time. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I hadn't so found I- it yet. I hadn't found the thing yet.
1: Not that the oh, gotcha. uh, so as far as um, who qualifies for We Defy scholarships, how they go about applying, um, if you can kind of give a little rundown on that.
3: Sure. So you have to be a uh, disabled combat veteran. So that basically just means someone who served in a combat zone at some point, and they have an 80% VA rating or disability rating from the VA. And you have to have an honorable discharge on a DD-214. So that could be an active duty troop. Uh, after they leave, they get this, you know, they, they get this DD-214 that states that their the um, condition of their service when they left. And it could also be National Guard and Reserve. So we have some folks that are still in the reserves that are also We Defy athletes because they did a deployment. And when you're on a deployment, you're considered active basically, you're activated by certain orders. And a lot of times when you are released from that, you get a DD-214 for the time you were active and you can file for VA disability if if you incurred injuries during that time. So those are the conditions and most of the people we have are, this is after service, but there are a few who are still serving one way or another, but they have those other qualifications. We also have a waiver that's usually used for stuff like I said, mi- military sexual trauma, because that a, that's a group of, um, uh, of uh, disability-related conditions, or those events can contribute to those that we feel like Jiu- Jitsu is um, potentially really well-suited to assist recovery. Yeah, from. Absolutely. So we want that carve out because we think we can do that. And then occasionally, you know, there's another case by case thing where we, that's why we have a waiver where we can take yeah, a look and right. see hey, how high is the need for this individual so high? The board decides on those. Um, I, we don't have a particular criteria. We just look at a case and say, yes, this makes sense. Or no, this doesn't quite fit what we're trying to do. The way that they uh, apply is they just go on our website and there's an application um, link, there's a heading there, I think it's called. I'll pull it up real fast, but I think it says athletes, um, off the top of my head. But then the I think um, there was
1: a tab for athletes, for gyms, and for
3: yeah, for the applicant. Uh, um, I think it's apply yeah. now. Yeah, so so they apply, and then um, that output goes to Keely, our athlete coordinator, and then she follows up with them to get their documents, and they make a sixty-second video uh, that talks about. Why they'd like to be a scholarship athlete, what they think they will gain from the practice, and then uh, she is the first line approval authority for stuff. And then when there's something that doesn't fit the criteria, then the board takes a look at it too.
1: And then um, obviously you guys need fundraising and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of fundraisers do you guys uh, currently do, and if somebody wanted to help, how how could they go about that?
3: Well, I know
0: for general donations, uh, there's a yeah, there's a donate button. There's obviously yes. a donate button right on the website. So
3: yep. So that's, yeah, one, the easiest way is to go on the website and hit donate now. Um, It's pretty, uh, it it jumps up at you. So as soon as you get on the website and we, that's, that's uh, the easiest way to do it. A lot of our partner gyms throw events for us uh, throughout the year. We don't actually hold any of our own events. Uh, We found it makes a lot more sense and keeps costs lower for us. We don't have to assume that administrative burden. So we become the beneficiary of another organization's event. Memorial Day and Veterans Day, we do open mats a lot. And then we usually tie in something else like a rock or some other kind of activity, uh, MRF type stuff. Um, And this year for Memorial Day, we've partnered with another organization called Carry the Load. And Carry the Load um, is a national nonprofit that seeks to um, uh, support and bolster other veterans nonprofits. And they have organizations they partner with. And then depending on how that partnership goes, out of those, they then choose beneficiaries. And the beneficiaries get extra money or extra funds from Carry the Load. So we were chosen this year to be one of their partners. What that means is there's a series of rallies going around the country um, starting uh, on the 28th, which is, what is that, Thursday? I think it starts in Seattle. And what they're doing at these rallies all throughout the country is they're going to march basically from point A to point B and then pick up another group of people, point A to point B. And there's going to be places where they get on a van and you know drive to the next big city. They're going to go from different points in the country all the way to Dallas. So that Memorial Day week, and they're going to have their huge rally there. So I'm in Minnesota going to do on May 7th. That's the one that starts the Midwest. I'm going to bring a team of people. And we're fundraising, taking, uh, you know, doing Facebook fundraisers and things like that to go participate in this uh in this rally in Minneapolis. And then from there, that, the Carry the Load group is gonna continue on to the next city. The more people that we bring in to participate, to register through our page on their website, and the more donations we bring in, th- bring in through that page, we then compete with the other nonprofits. And at the end of the year, Carry the Load looks at all that and selects several for next year to become beneficiaries of Carry the Load. So that's one thing we're doing for Memorial Day. The other side of that is we're going to do our open mats like we always do. So we ask all of our training facilities to um, consider putting on an open mat sometime during or close to Memorial Day, you know, a couple of weeks right. out there. So here in Minneapolis, we'll probably get like four or five of our gyms, putting them all at different times. And each gym runs it their, on their own way, um, however they want to do it. It can be a seminar, open mat, whatever they want to do. In fact, one of the jujitsu places up here is actually going to do a 5K. So they wanted to do something different than just an open mat because you do a 5K, you can bring your friends that don't do jujitsu. So there's really cool ways to reach out beyond just jujitsu circles too. And we really rely on our gym partners and our ambassadors to creatively come up with those uh, sort of events and then to execute them and make us the beneficiary of it. That's, That's the main model now. The original model was seminars that the board did. And things grew so fast that the seminars couldn't fund the demand and the need. So that's, right. how they, that's why they brought in ambassadors and we started using this model very successfully and now we've got enough um, of an operational history that we can go out and look for big grants. And that was the new thing uh, that happened to us um, last year was we got awarded the VA Adaptive Sports Grant, which allowed us to put a, large, a, a number of new athletes through, but then they also are funding a symposium that's actually coming up for us this week. We're bringing in about 20 people to help us create uh, the intent is to create a a deliverable that we can then put in it. Hey, here's how we want our gyms to support our athletes. Here's what veterans need. Once we produce that, we're going to send it all to our partner gyms so that we can, instead of just taking a veteran and putting them in a gym, like the original model was, we're, we're creating this group identity. We're creating our own organic team. We've got these mentors now. We're trying to. We're going to try to do. Uh, see if we can help the gyms to, or support the gyms and the culture that the gym has. Tell them what we'd like to see culture wise too. That'll support our guys as as our men and women as best as possible to continue to create this. Um, we defy. We defy identity, and the VA is is paying for us to do this uh, symposium through this grant. Nice. That's awesome. Um, so that's, that's kind of the next, I think the next tier up is, is we're kind of hitting the point now where we can realistically go after larger grants and potential federal funding or corporate funding to reach uh, more veterans to you know sponsor more people.
2: Nice.
3: And then, of course, with that, we need more and more volunteers and more and more help to handle yeah. the logistics. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind well, of funny because awesome. one... One part of the group grows and then the other part grows. So you're, how do you keep it all growing together yep. so that nothing outpaces? It's a, I mean, we're not a business, but that's a business activity. Right. How do yep. you keep it all growing together and feeding the right parts while you're keeping the other, you know, you're maybe reeling this part in a little bit before it gets too big for the other parts. So it's really fun. It's really exciting. And I never dreamed that three years ago, this would be how I'd be spending my time.
0: Right. <laughs> well, well, definitely, as 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 new members of the group, I mean, we're we're definitely excited to, yeah. Uh, you know, we we've always been very connected. We, we we think martial arts generally should be connected to its community. We think, I mean, that's that's really kind of how martial arts historically it, mm-hmm. it's 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 a very grassroots type of of system. Um, the way everything where you know the way everything is tied together, um, you know everybody here that's that I mean, we actually have people starting to come in getting ready to train. Um, I mean, these are all people from our community that when we're at the grocery store, when we're, so these people that, that we train with, I mean, are not just customers. I mean, they're not just supporting the business. I mean, that's, this is our community. When we see them grow, we see our community grow, you know, so, now you know, with us being members of of this community, um, we're actually you know, we're very excited to to see that growth within there as well. We've always believed that that this what we do goes well beyond just the mats, you know, and the like. So we're 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 happy and proud to be to be part of it, and uh, you yeah, know, we're we're definitely looking forward to uh, to hopefully representing everything really well out here. Uh, now, now we got to start planning some open mats for me. I know I got
1: to talk to Olivia about the statewide, see if we can put out a donation. We,
0: we also run a, uh, <laughs> another uh, organization that's, that's ours called Pretty Dangerous. It's uh, it's, it's it is about women's jujitsu. Um, it's all free when we do events, things of that nature. We never the, the, the ladies never get charged for anything. Um, so we, we, we run that we travel all over Central and North Florida. Um, and we have another group that we uh, partner up with periodically down in South Florida called the Jiu Jitsu Gypsies where uh, this weekend we Dennis. get together once a year. We call it the statewide Florida
1: statewide women's event. And we get like hundreds of girls that come in.
0: Oh, cool. And it's, it's through oh, cool. events like this that we originally met Gina. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> okay. you
0: know, was, was originally doing events like this, um, you know, like girls and Geese or pretty dangerous yeah. or Jiu Jitsu Gypsies, um, you know, and so now we've, uh, I think we've done coming up on about a hundred events here in Florida and I geez, I don't That's even awesome know how many miles. miles we've put on our, A lot.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, it's every, every time we do it, it, it it's, it's always, yeah. You know, this one of our stipulations. It's everything is volunteer. Everything mm-hmm. is donation based. Everything is free. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we don't, we don't have a nonprofit status, but you know, we don't charge anybody anything. And, and actually we don't even take donations. Uh, we get everybody just, it's more time-based, um, and everything else at and, and, you know, trying to spread the, the word of jujitsu and, and its benefits to, to, to a lot of different people. Um, so, uh, with, uh, with we defy we're looking forward to like i said to, to everything else if, if you ever get a chance and you're ever in florida
1: come uh, on now uh,
3: yeah Daytona, oh, i will <laughs> no only yeah. about
0: 20 minutes away maybe 15 minutes away in orlando from us the Orlando minutes. airport's only about <laughs> a little <laughs> over <laughs> a half hour about 40 okay. minutes away so um if, if you ever get a chance and you're out here we, we, we'd love to have you come by um i doubt i'll
3: That's be <anytime> <laughs> I get it nice it's nice here for about three months a year so. <laughs> we're We're looking at a 90,
1: 90 degree day today
3: wow yeah I just I drove my kid to school today and I thought you know it's, it was we it was 70 about a week ago and now it's down at 35 again <laughs> like, oh. yeah. Maybe grow. maybe in May it'll get better. <laughs>
1: no, I've turned into a full-on Florida girl. I like it hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. no I, I get it.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh hanging out with us. Um if you need to do any shout-outs, if you you have anything else you want to add, um this is your time.
3: Well, I just, I want to say thank you guys for um for having me on and uh, for being a part of this organization. Oh, uh, I, know, I know you guys are going to do great things. Uh, I can already tell, I know uh, just by your community involvement now. And uh, I, I believe very strongly that one plus one equals three. Um, and that's kind of, we defies, uh modus operandi as well. We don't really compete with other groups because we're just, if we can support each other, that's what we try to do. That's the whole point, yeah. point is to make the world better. Yeah, And uh, it's not about us. It's about the people we're trying to serve. And right. um, you know, some, we do it through jujitsu. We have other organizations that we're close with that have other ways to do it. And um, if we're all doing that together, then then I think we're winning. So
1: Absolutely. Yep.
3: But thank thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Awesome. awesome. Thank, thank you, you I, for coming I, on, man. I really enjoyed meeting you and uh, yeah. getting a chance to, to get to know you.
3: Thanks. So ho- thanks hopefully thanks we'll talk again. Here. No, we, I'm sure we will. <laughs> yes, sir.
2: All right. Awesome. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you.
3: Thank you. Thanks.